You're listening to the Three Feet Radio Show with Ben Carbonaro and Luke Herbert. From our studios come special guests and netball commentary. G'day listeners, we've had a week off from the Three Feet Radio Show, but we're back on board this week and joining me in the studio is my co-host, Luke Herbert. G'day, Luke. G'day, Ben. I think that week was suited to us because it's just building up to a series of events that we had nothing to do with or no hand in, but has given us a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, some of it are somewhat more difficult topics than others that we're going to discuss on and air and that we have also discussed off air. Absolutely. It's been a huge week with um, um, Gemma Maimai, unfortunately, not getting court time in his um, Suncorp Super Netball. But more importantly, joining us today is former Australian Diamond De- Diamonds defender in Demelza Fellows. G'day, Demelza. How are you going today? Good, guys. Thanks for having me. Really nice to see you both. No worries. It's been quite a few years, Demelza, since we last chatted to you. Yes, I've been off in the wilderness um, doing some other things, but it is uh, lovely to be back here chatting about the number one game, hey? Yeah, absolutely. And just first of all, um, just to kick things off here, you've always been quite vocal about sport politics. And in my introduction, I referred to Gemma Maimai and the situation of her not getting court time um, for the Firebirds, despite being used as the face of Suncorp Super Netball's Indigenous Round for the last two years by Netball Australia. Um, what are your thoughts on what happened and the whole issue? Well, I think um, it's been a, a really interesting uh, thing to watch across the last week. Um, the the times uh, that we're living in are changing and sport um, once upon a time was able to just kind of stay in its own lane as sport and people involved with sport, you know, were mad, um, you know, code, code heads type thing. They were passionate about their game and their team and what happened on the field or on the court. But these days we're in a different landscape and um, politics and socioeconomic issues and socio-political issues uh, definitely kind of come into play more and more uh, these days. And Nepal, you know, um, yeah, they're facing this sort of, I guess, um, this really tough challenge this week, Nepal Queensland in particular, with the with what happened with Gemma and Indigenous Round. And, um, you know, I don't know the answers of, of how the best to... Um, respect and honour the traditions and the heritage of Indigenous um, culture. I don't know the answer to that. I I thought that um, including um, the Indigenous round, and Netball's done lots of things over the years to kind of face these issues. It's always been a sport that's been at the front of that. We've we've done pink lace round and looked at gender um, issues and sexuality. We've we were the ones that led the pregnancy debate. We're working for, for women's equality. Um, and now this big, huge uh, issue here, but it's never, none of, none of those kind of um, social or political issues have ever come into play in terms of who deserves court time. And we've always managed to somehow make it that, um, I remember when we did the minute, the minute protest over the AMPA stuff and um, Trudy playing after 20 weeks for the pregnancy and all of these kind of things were allowed they, they happened outside of team selection. They happened outside of the actual um, 60 minutes of the game. And this, this issue is one of the first times that I've seen where we're asking the actual team environment and the game itself to, um, to take that issue into its hands. And uh, I find it really unfortunate. And I, I think when my first reaction when I saw all the uproar was, 
I wonder how Gemma's feeling in everyone expecting her to get a token amount of court time. Like, you know, she, she lives every day um, bleeding to be on the court for the Firebirds, regardless of her cultural background. And I know that's a huge part of her, but she, you know, she would have spent every minute of that match being ready to play anyway and dying to get on the court just because she's a Firebird. And, um, and Rose, you know, of all coaches, I've been there. I've been on the bench desperate to get on the court with Rose. She'll, she'll play the team she wants to play in the situation she wants to play it in. And, and she's very much not someone to suffer, um, like, to, to kind of take in that external pressures, you know. And, and I, I just find it really hard. I, I feel like um, Rose as a coach is being asked to alter who she is and how she goes about things because of, um, because of, a, of a fit of the issue that's outside of the 60 minutes of the game. Gemma is being asked now to um, also expect to just get a bib thrown her way because she's the face of the, the issue, whereas she would want to get on the court on her merit. And, um, and that's, that, that side of it's really, really tough because she is, on the other hand, like the issue is bigger than, than just, just netball and, the, and she has been used as the face of it and she is inspiring people regardless of her time on court and she is representing so beautifully and proudly the Indigenous culture so it is, a, it is a little bit of a tough one. And we all would have loved the fairy tale. We all would have loved it. It's the same as when you, you know, you love the fairy tale. You want to see it come to fruition. But we've never asked the game itself to play out that before. And I just don't know what the right answer is. But I was like, oh, man, I wonder how Gemma feels about this. <laughs> yeah. And just before we leave the issue, Ben and I talked about this off air, just to let you know where the question came from. But... And we were talking about it from a marketing angle, and since we'll get to your role in marketing in a moment, but just purely from a marketing point of view, isn't it strange that if you're going to use any player, regardless of race or what sport or even sex, if they're going to be like, oh, no, your marketing material, posters and whatnot, don't you then have to ask, in the case of netball, are we certain this player is going to get court time? Because regardless of the situation, isn't it odd then that player then sits on the bench and all over your marketing material? Uh, I think that's one-eyed and, um, and can be a little bit close-minded because we're not talking about supporting Indigenous culture because of people getting on court. We're talking about representing and respecting and, and, and honouring um, something enormous, a culture, a, a people, a race, um, a history uh, and... Uh, you know, that, that just says then that only netball players who are Indigenous matter in the round and it's not talking about fans, it's not talking about umpires that have gone before us, it's not talking about coaches who are involved in the game. It's just saying that the only way you can represent Indigenous culture is if the person's throwing the ball around and I think that is narrow focus. Um, you know, AFL and, and the other codes who do these rounds also have, you know, 20, 30, 50, 100 players to choose from and at this point in time, where in the past we've had five or six Indigenous athletes in the system, we've only got one. And, that, and that, is, that is us getting back out to the grassroots. That is us breeding through and making sure that even though we do have Indigenous programs and we do have multicultural programs and we are trying, then perhaps we're not hitting the mark in bringing up um, that talent. 
you know, it was only just the other, it's only just a couple of years ago we had Beryl Friday um, also in the system who is a phenomenal player and, and there would have been two Queensland girls in the system, you know, but we just had one. And unfortunately, from a marketing perspective, that's, that's caused a bit of complication in terms of why didn't she get the token two minutes? And you're like, oh, you know, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have done it any other way. They had no choice. You know, they either put just the dresses on the thing or they've got a beautiful girl there who is proud to represent our culture. It's not, it's not anybody's fault. It's just the situation. And just on marketing and sponsorship, you're the marketing and sponsorship manager with the Fiji Rugby Union, but I believe due to um, COVID, you're in Melbourne. Could you tell us a little bit about your role at the Melza? Well, firstly, I don't want to um, attest to having as much of the battles of living in Melbourne in lockdown at the moment. I'm in regional Victoria, so I can yep. actually go to a restaurant at the moment. Um, yeah, I yes, can't I, do that at the moment. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I am the marketing and sponsorship manager for Fiji Rugby. Um, I've been there for two and a half years. Um, yeah, when the borders closed, we were recommended to come home, but that's been an enormous challenge. I've been working in professional rugby now for four and a half years. Or, yeah, cracky. Yeah, four and a half years. Um, before that, I was with Melbourne Rebels, and it's been fantastic. So I've, I've got a really huge portfolio from Grant, from right down at the grassroots um, to the international level of sevens, fifteens, men and women. And uh, yeah, it's it's a blast. It's quite a unique challenge being um, working for a sport that is so beloved and globally enormous um, in a developing nation. So you know, volume of whilst you've got the huge market share, your volume of people is not as large, but also you know. You're under a lot of scrutiny, but you're also adored. And, yeah, it's a really fun – it's been a really fun challenge, but um, one that, I, you know, that may be coming to an end soon because this way that the climate's going at the moment, who knows uh, when I can get back. But, uh, yeah, it's been so cool to live in Fiji for a couple of years. And just for the benefit of particularly people outside New Zealand, and rugby's huge in New Zealand, and there's often discussions around the Pacific Islands and stuff in relation to rugby, but – What's the rugby landscape like in Fiji, if I can pose the question in that manner, since we're not actually a rugby podcast? <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you what, there is no landscape that isn't rugby in Fiji. So there's 300 islands and, you you know, there's there's a little bit of soccer because of the Indo-Fijian side, but um, predominantly netball is everywhere. And, and what you hear in the fairy tale in the stories is true. There is kids playing um, you know, 50 kids playing in the village with a Coke bottle, barefoot, just dreaming of being, a, of being, you know, Severis or um, Tabita Kundrani or even their, their favourite players like uh, Adi Sabia and so forth. But um, it's pretty amazing. We, uh, we have 101 schools in our, um, in our system. At the moment, we've had... Uh, the national, like it's been amazing rugby's still been able to run this year just like in um, New Zealand. So we've had our the provincial competition and our second tier competition running across women under 19s and senior men. And uh, it's just been fantastic. And in a really tough year, rugby's been such a shining light. And then what other people probably don't um, know about it is that the sevens game which we all kind of think of as the Mickey Mouse, you know, have a festival and go and get on the views for a couple of days and you dress up outfits and head up to Hong Kong and have a laugh. Kind of like the T20 of rugby. It is serious business in Fiji. Like nothing, you know, there's, there's outside Parliament House every single day, you know, almost 100 grown men who have just taken their suits off 
from running the country, out playing sevens rugby, pretending that they're Sarevi or um, Jerry Tuai. So it's, yeah, I can't, I can't explain what it's like. All of us net, netball passionate people, as you know, um, if we condensed it all and put them on what, a group of 300 islands, that'd be what it's like for, for, for rugby over there. Mm. Are you um, still playing or coaching Nitty at any level? I was reading an article from the Fiji Sun from two years ago, back when you were age 38, the Melzer, and they did ask you, are you going to play for the Pearls one day to help Fiji? Well, I, I did play last year. I played for Army Green in their state league competition. Um, yep. My body is my body sore. I was a bit fitter then. Um, <laughs> the, the, the spirit never dies to play, and I just love it and love the team environment, but I think I am probably due to head down the coaching path. I did a little bit of work with Vicky um, with the Pearls and before their World Cup uh, run and I uh, helped her with some selections. I don't know if I was any good. But, uh, yeah, I do enjoy the coaching side. I just have to get my butt in gear and get my levels up and see where it goes from there. Be sure to follow us on social media at 3 Feet Radio on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. You can contact us via email 3FeetRadio at gmail.com and we're also now available in audio-only format on Apple Podcasts and Wooshka. Well, if it wasn't for COVID, I would suggest to you that the Southern Blast, they have a coaching vacancy, but it's probably going to be filled by someone a bit closer to home in the current climate. <laughs> but just putting that aside in the Beaker League here in New Zealand, and while we're on netball, um, what have you made of the Suncourt League season so far, apart from what we've already discussed? There's been the two-point goal that's been brought into a, a high degree of controversy. Uh, I've been fairly restrained on social media about it, out of necessity. Sometimes I have to be a more restrained version of myself in different places. <laughs> oh, I think the um, competition has firstly been, um, it's been a blessing that they've been able to even hold it. I know the girls were all waiting with bated breath for an announcement to make sure that they had their jobs this year. So it's a huge credit both both nations to get their national comps off the ground this year. So well done uh, to Netball for that. And the Suncorp um, comp has been pretty great you know I, I'm a purist at times and I think well, where's all of our defense um, depth going to come from with all of these imports all the time and um, and the same in the goal shooter end all the big targets are from overseas and I'm like what's going on with the diamonds but then I realize oh god I'm turning into one of those crochet blanket nanas from netball <laughs> with that kind of attitude but no the girls are showing you know incredible fight it's huge tenacity the game's been um marketed really well again the two-point shot is just you know i wasn't um fussed about it. i think good on you you know come in give a little bit of energy you let teams provide some upsets and and make the goalers work it's a terrible um it's a terrible rule for defenders i hated that part of fast five because it, it you know you have to change your whole mindset around how you run the circle um where you push people what their strengths and weaknesses are but it has um it has caused a lot of diversity in our game styles. You've seen a lot of changing up in defensive um, set setups. You've seen um, some the return of a beautiful mobile circle and the return and the stepping up of girls doing their long range shooting. And everybody does. The girls all spend hours and hours, you know, in front of the post, and they're all capable. And now it's got a bit of weight to it, so it's just stretching them and and getting people to actually, um, you know, show variety, show some spunk, and then. You know, you really do appreciate some phenomenal athletes like Joe Harden and Steph Wood and 
these guys that pulled the trigger. I've got a few girlfriends um, from my era who have always been the long-range goalers and they're just like, where was this in our day? This is rubbish, you know? And um, Matt Murphys would have would have absolutely nailed it in the two-point shots. Then I just attest as well. So would Coxie because she was a, a mid- to long-range goaler um, at a very high accuracy as well. So it would have been phenomenal to see some of that, although I did experience a few heartbreaking grand finals against her as it was, so I don't want her to have the bloody two points against me. That would have been awful. But I think it's I think it's all right. The comp's good. I'm, I just would love to see um, the A&L return to make sure that our depth is continuing to grow. Um, with only sort of 10 girls in the, in the team and, uh, you know, one to two amazing internationals in everybody's squad, it's slim pickings for Stacey, I'm concerned. Mm. You talk about the talent, the levels below De- levels below Demelza. Do you feel maybe that there's too much emphasis being placed then on over on the overseas overseas imports? We spoke with um Kiri Wills recently, who coaches in the ANZ Premiership, and she said one thing she likes about the ANZ Premiership compared to Suncorp Super Netball is that they don't really have too many imports, and it looks like the pathway at the moment is a little bit more clearer in New Zealand than here in Australia. Yeah, I think we'll get a. We're just having a, an anomaly anomaly year this year without A and L, and then um, it, the state leagues will get to grow then and strengthen, and it'll just it'll you know it'll be what it is going to be. Professional sport needs to go this way. It's exciting. It's fantastic to bring in overseas. It's a testament to Australia's um, to the business from Suncorp Super Netball that they can bring in these marquee players and make our game um, more global. Um, I think the challenge is, is for us, A, the A&L, and then B, to get um, all the state leagues just firing, you know, like, let's, you know, let's make them semi-professional. Why can't the, why can't the Queensland um, Hearts Sapphire Series become as strong as the Q Cup in Rugby League? Why can't the VNL become as strong as the VFL? Why can't the SA Premier League be as strong as the SA NFL, you know? They can be. And that's the challenge is to get the talent up there. Then we just keep breeding the factory of netties moving forward and, and, um, and just give, you know, just keep the game more levels of depth and strength. That's my belief anyway. Mm. And just for our international listeners and who might not know, particularly since we discussed pathways and is on a little less now that they've improved. Can you just tell us briefly what those state leagues are? Yeah. Oh, sorry. So the um, State League are the premier competitions in each of our states. So in New Zealand, it would be the provinces. And the club competition is a little bit different. I've only played, I have played in the Dunedin um, and the Christchurch um, State Leagues. So it's, you know, the best club competition there. In Australia, ours, I guess, just out of numbers as well, because each of our states have such um, a high volume of registered players we have the premier competitions that run um, and they have they have select the associations where all the players or the club players play then select representative teams and you usually have a senior um, a and b or premier and reserves or whatever is the way it goes and they all play against each other so in queensland there's uh eight teams in theirs and there's two from up north and then six from around the kind of greater Brisbane, Gold Coast and, and Sunshine Coast area. And then in, I, I don't know the New South Wales one very well, but I believe it's quite similar. I played in the VNL. I, um, I played for 
the Ballarat team in Victoria when I was with the Rebels. So um, they have a really great one from Geelong right through to country Victoria. And um, again, it's about 10 teams. And so this is where, this is where people like, of all people, Lara Dunkley, <laughs> the wing attack from the Firebirds, she stayed on the court on the weekend. She came through the VNL and um, didn't just come straight out of sort of school into a National League program. These, these are where these players lie themselves and go in and out to keep their strength up. It's where they play off the field. Um, the even, you know, the beautiful uh, Honey, the young girl Honey, Taylor Honey, who's with the Vixens. These kind of players are, you know, stalwart South Australia, uh, Victorian um, Premier League players. And, uh, and the same, I do believe, um, uh, oh, Cara Conan, she was a State League player up in Townsville before she went down to the Lightning and so forth. So, yeah, the State League competitions are that, that premier senior level club in, the own, in their own states. Feeders, I guess, to the National League. And another God, I, oh, sorry, fellas, I'm talking sure. too much. <laughs> no, not, not at all, Demelzer. And another success story, of course, from the VNL, it's where I first saw her. Um, and then she went to the ANL and she ended up playing at the highest level and still is based on the sheer number of goals she was putting up was Kumwenda. She came over and played for Peninsula Waves. I remember when I first saw her, I'm like, who is this? Yeah. She's got such go-go gadget arms, her elevation, her, her, um, her long-range shooting and everything. And then it was a couple of years she had to grind away, but it certainly did harden her for what she's doing now with the Vixens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Maui um, came over just... You know, someone sniffed her out and yeah. uh, and bought her, and then she, and acclimatized her into the system. And you guys um, are old enough, like me, to remember. So the same thing happened with Carla Borrego yep. back in the day. You know, these kind of girls being brought yep. into state competitions and then mm. and then bred up that way. So how I've got I've got a little premiership tattoo here from my state league club called Matrix, out of the South Australian um, state league. Uh, I'm a life member there, and uh, yeah, so th that com I still I still live stream their games on the weekends, and Erin Bell and I um, sometimes will be on the comments like talking our way through the matches because we're quite attached to our state league teams. So yeah, it's it's really important that those those competitions are the ones that continue to grow and strengthen, so that Australia's depths across the channels um, can continue, particularly as well if we don't have an AIS. Um, you know, we want to make sure we've got our high-performance platforms in the States taken care of as well. Um, so where can you see netball moving forward with regards to um, COVID? Like COVID has put a spanner in the works for international netball, for example. Yeah, that's right. International, well, international sport. Like, mm. um, you know, they're all, everyone's sort of looking at things. I find it, I find it strange that we haven't been able to um, get the bubble opened up for the Constellation Cup, considering the Bledisloe has just been um, approved. So I'm I'm not sure where the conversation broke down there, whether or not Netball Australia and Netball New Zealand needed it in a different window that wasn't going to suit. So I don't know anything to do with that. But I hope that um, that we do see a return. Well, we, we you know it's been announced that it'll be you know next year, two lots of series. Uh, I think. Um, you know, we, we just have to live in this climate as it is right now and remember that whatever we do get to play is a blessing and it's not the end of the world if we don't get an international tournament. Um, I just come from a situation where we've had people's livelihoods completely altered because the Olympics don't go, didn't go ahead. 
We've had com- other other international competitions in rugby um, cancelled for men and women, and people are out of their jobs because of it. So just just because we don't have an international series this year, I don't believe is going to destroy our sport. But I think what it can do is sort of what we've seen with with the game as it is, but also with um, some of the sort of other codes, rugby league and so forth, is it's kind of given people their thirst and their hunger back. So when it does come back, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully see crowd intensity, passion, um, all of that sort of rejuvenated spirit and spark um, into it going forward and, and we'll really miss it rather than just being like, oh, why can't we have it? It might just cause us to be really able to miss it. So. It is what it is, you know. This this disease is bigger than um, bigger than all of us at the moment, and and uh, we can't. There's no use crying over it. We just got to find the best way forward. But just coming or staying with this topical thread for a moment, here in New Zealand, we're going to have the Silver Ferns to play the New Zealand A squad, which will probably be like a anti-premiership all-stars. The New Zealand men are going to come back like they did last year and then we're going to, interestingly of all things, have the under-21s play the Silver Ferns. So could anything like that happen in Australia? And I think it particularly interests me that, and one thing that doesn't relate to the Constellation Cup but does work in your favour, is that you've got a host of international players in Australia already for some court leagues. So for the English side, you've just got to bring out the small number of players they want to bring out from the UK and they go through the quarantine procedures. But as long as Joe Harton and Helen Housby and others don't go back home straight away, that could actually work. You guys could get something that we're not going to get on this side of the Tasman and I'm going to be very envious. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. And even if we can't bring anybody in because, you know, the English borders are just about to shut again, we could run a World Series. So um, I remember I'm going to go back to when TV was black and white and I was playing again. But we played in uh, about 06 or something in the World Series um, around New Zealand and there was a, a whole host of us who were exactly that. So I played, you know, Kat Latu, Jeeva, myself, Peter Squire, Tash Chocolate. Um, who else was in the side? We had a bunch of, oh, um, the gorgeous defender from Jamaica, who was so funny, who played in New Zealand for a year as well, Anthea um, Byfield. We had this amazing tour and uh, it, was a, it was a World 7. So that is something that Netball Australia may be looking at. I, I'm not on the inside, but it would definitely um, be amazing. Can you imagine um, having Janil and Maui and um, Helen and Joe as the four goalers? And then you've got um, bloody Jeeva and... Um, beautiful Shamila Shamila and Carla Pretorius and all this in the defence end and then Langman in the middle and oh my life and Haythorn Thwaite on the wing like hello if I was Stacey I'd be saying there's my competition for the summer (laughs) Mm. and and just imagine the marketing opportunities it would give too because would give too it would be absolutely huge to Melza. Put your marketing hat on and tell us about that. Uh, with that, that would, it would be amazing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I don't think you'd even have to um, half market it because every single fan, it'd be like the the all stars of the Suncorp all together, and then you've got the diamonds on the top of it. So it could be seriously sensational, and it may be that we're just jumping the gun in Netball Australia, who are, and 
and Suncorp, they've got amazing teams and with Channel 9 together, they may all actually have this all sorted out as, um, and we're, you know, we're kind of like, watch this space. But uh, yeah, it'd be really great. Can you just imagine, it'd almost be like um, one of those British and Irish Lions tours where you get all the sorts of crazy fans, all the different colour um, Denise Pittman would be there with her beautiful red roses jacket on and then you'd have, you know, all this, all the crazy Jamaicans there. You could have Diddy playing and Carlo. Oh, and the noise and the drums and it would be really great. It would be like Fast Five on Heat. <laughs> well, I was always disappointed when the World 7 concept never came back. I understood why you couldn't play it every year and you wanted to keep the regular international matchups. But I thought every two, three years they couldn't slot in a three-game series. I was... I spent years being disappointed about that. So the prospect of any prospect of that coming back, at this, even if it happens in Australia, not in New Zealand, you know, it's like, you know, the, the Nepal fan and me, that's not very objective, that, you know, just wants to go absolutely, well, who and throw a party, you know? So, but, and just moving on, just staying with the National Nepal for a moment, and this is speculative, so you don't have to answer or you can just, you know, you can just take an speculative loop to the next question. But with, you know, broadly speaking, the current pandemic has seen, uh, we're seeing a less of a global focus around the world on anything from what the trade which we won't go into to sports. So does that more regionalised focus, does that help Fiji netball in the long term? Does that mean we might see more of the Fiji and national team out in Australia and New Zealand? I don't, the, the interesting thing for me that used to kind of hurt my feelings a bit about netball in Fiji is that they're, there's still a way to go culturally for women. Um, we're only just, like, coming from the seat of um, the number one and premier game, women are only just starting to find their voice and find their confidence and find themselves um, in a safe and secure place to play rugby and come forward, and that is a game with a lot of resource. So netball, even though it is the number one participation sport for women, um, but it is getting, it's starting to get outshone by rugby. Um, they're just, it's culturally, the gender equity and culturally there's a bit of a way for women to go before they will start to actually breed champions. Um, I just found it interesting even in the national camp, uh, the work rate, the, you know, that they're, they're still, they're, they get no money and um, the attention to basic skills, wanting to turn up to training, the issues they've got to overcome to even want to put the work in to get themselves up to a decent level. The state league clubs, uh, they're, they're a bit of a way off. But it doesn't mean that like the goalkeeper for Fiji out of raw talent could be something incredible. But her work rate and her kind of desire to be challenged wasn't ingrained in her because, you know, those sort of things come from a young age. And I'm hoping that with the way slowly the UN women and some other areas are starting to um, help affect that change in terms of how women see themselves in that environment over there and the security and safety of women in that environment um, will we'll start to pan out through the sport. But um, definitely in terms of being given resource and strength and support and um, being able to deliver on that, I think Nepal's still got a way to go. So the COVID regional boundaries are not going to be what helps to change the quality of outcome from Fiji. 
I think it's actually got to do with more internal stuff first. Yeah. But we could go over and, yeah, I think we can do a little bit more um, outreach. New Zealand does a lot of outreach, but in time there I only saw two, two and a half years, apart from Vicky being there, there wasn't a lot of Ausaid into netball there. It was um, Irene was there all the time, Jodie Brown was there all the time, these guys, but we didn't see a lot of Australians. Just a bit of a light-hearted one, um, Dem, have you still maintained your... Um, warped sense of humour from your playing days. I have a couple of vivid memories from you, of you. <laughs> yeah, I've been like, yeah, oh, leopard doesn't change his spots, mate, and I'm still, definitely, <laughs> I'm still definitely a clown. I've got my serious face on today because you've hit me yeah. with all the big issues. But yeah. if you wanted to talk about little old grandmas trying to make John Farnham-style comebacks every time they watch um, the Suncorp Super Netball at the moment and see a defender with poor footwork, I'm like... I can give you a joke around those kind of stuff and yeah. Um definitely still like to keep things fairly light hearted. But um age brings a bit of seriousness, I think. Sure, and I'll bring and I'll and I will bring up this one. This is a vivid memory from me from me and I'll bring it up every time I see you. Is I remember at the Crown Plaza in Melbourne, across the road from Crown, it was a press conference before a test here in Melbourne. There was a lot of screaming going on that I could hear from from the hallway right near the press conference. And who was it? It was you and B Chatfield running around in tracksuit pants like 12-year-olds. It was hilarious. It's still, it's imprinted in my mind. I tell you what, the, <laughs> I'm sorry for that trauma and if you do need to see a therapist, please let me know. <laughs> but you can trust us. It's always going to be the defenders to keep things lighthearted and fairly active. So, uh, yeah, definitely not one for the zen and, mo, um, zen and meditation kind of vibe. <laughs> Uh, the only time I needed to see a therapist was when New Zealand Netball's development of pathways weren't sufficient and everyone knew it, but the people running Netball New Zealand, I think Netball fans collectively were in therapy for a number of years. <laughs> but just coming back to a more serious note for a moment, if I might, and I just want to, I hope this doesn't be a picky, but I wanted to pick up on something you said about sort of quality for women in Fiji, if I can use that term, and then participating in Netball. Is one of the barriers, and I, might, and I might have this wrong, so please do set me straight if need be, is one of the barriers, in short, because they are essentially responsible for what you might term home life, so cooking and raising kids, and then the time's not necessarily there, put aside from the play sport as it is the men to go play rugby on if they play on the Saturday. Uh, there's probably an element of that. I don't think it's a sole issue. It's It's intrinsically around um some some self-belief i think as well like uh the there's definitely a side of the homemaking um part of it but it's about believing and and the conversation and flowing freely around educating yourself and achieving and having dreams and goals and having aspirational role models that that can prove that as well so it's easy for everyone to want to play rugby and have a, this amazing life overseas and um and earn money to send back to the village and all that sort of stuff because they can see it every day with the 300 professional players that live overseas and send their money back to fiji whereas there's no women role models showing them that that's a possibility so then how do you have a dream about that? So then how do you start actually thinking about what it's going to take and waking up and dreaming and believing in yourself that that could be a thing? 
or so there's a few amazing women that do do cool things like the, the at the moment with there's some really phenomenal strong female politicians and some other stuff but just in terms of sport we don't see a lot of women doing things on the sporting field that really set apart from the sevens that set the set them all alight yeah okay Demelza thanks very much for joining us today it's been a very long time since we last sat and it's good to get your take on the Gem and my my issue and quite a few other things as well well, guys, it's been wonderful to um, uh, hang out with you. Thanks very much. I hope I haven't got myself into any hot water. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, take care of yourselves. Be safe, Ben. Keep your um, attitude and, and mental health strong while you're in lockdown. And, Luke, get out there and have a space for me, my friend. Will do, and I'll cheer on the cell for you next season. Very good. You've been listening to the Three Feet Radio Show with Ben Carbonaro and Luke Herbert. Tune in next time for more special guests and netball commentary 